0: As enthusiastic as normal. We'll have to work on that. (laughs) There we go. Um, Have you all ever had some events in your life where you think, oh, that is the wrong set of slides? We'll find out who listened this morning. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have the same set of notes, so we'll see if it comes out the same way on the slides. We'll see how long we remember in all of it. Uh, where were we? Oh, I remember what it was. No, still the wrong one. Should be uh, death, man, and resurrection or message. You may not get slides tonight. I know y'all are disappointed. And I didn't even bring coloring pages, anything. Y'all just going to have to sit. There we go. All right. We'll start all over. No, we won't start all over. We'll get Bryce to come up and lead another song and just act like we, we fell out of bed and got back in and we'll get up again. H- have y'all ever, when we well, think about memories, think about times in your life and, and the things you remember. Do you remember everything about those events in your past? Or if you, re- if you think back, is there something in particular that really stands out that you remember most and the details have kind of faded away? I'll give you a good picture of that. There is one thing I remember clearly from April 9th, 1982. The rest of it, I think, is seeing a videotape of it going on, and that supplemented my memory. The one thing I remember on that date was Beth standing at the back of the church auditorium at the Ridgewood Church Christ, Beaumont, Texas, with her daddy. The light behind them as they come in from the foyer. And all I remember is that beautiful woman coming down there. She hadn't run off. <laughs> well, no, he offered to, said, we can leave if you want, so... I didn't have anybody on my side except she was willing to come out there. But that that memory is really all I have of our wedding day. Is her seeing her in her dress, seeing her as she came up. All the other details I couldn't tell you anymore. Who our, our attendants were, groomsmen and, and bridesmaids, and we had thirty or forty, I, or I can't remember how, I can't remember how many there were. I couldn't tell you who was there. I couldn't tell you hardly anything else, but I remember that one thing. Life is like that for us, where we can look at things and remember them. And what happens to us is we tend to hold on to just a few things, maybe just one thing, and and carry that through. Now think for a moment. I say this because of Acts chapter 8. What would you do if we were in a time of persecution, where you had to worry about being put in prison, where you had to worry about being put to death because of your faith? What would you do in a time of persecution? In Acts chapter 8, it's interesting. Here, Stephen has been stoned. Saul is given his approval for it, and it says, That day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Then it says down further, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. In other words, why, the reason they were persecuted because of their faith is what they went and talked to everybody about as they got as they went out everywhere they went. Everywhere they went, they talked about the thing that was getting them in trouble. There's something there that we need to pay attention to. That that one idea that this is something that no matter what the circumstances were, they needed to share that. Plato said this. I had to dig around for this because I heard a different version of it that wasn't attributed to anybody. But looking for that, I came across the original. It says, wise men speak because they have something to say. Fools because they have to say something there's some truth to that to keep in mind. And the thing is, as God's people, as Christians, we have something to say. We have something of substance, something that is meaningful. It's not just something nice or something that's extra or something that that people can do without. This is something that really is meaningful. In Acts chapter 17, when Paul is there in Athens and he's walking around looking at everything, he starts telling people about Christ and, and the resurrection, they go... They get all stirred up. Said, so "What in the world is he talking about?" He's got some got some strange things he's sharing with us. And they finally said, "Come to the area you know the area." Oh my goodness! Look at there. We just hung up. Somebody say it for me. Areopagus. It sounds like snuffleupagus, doesn't it? Areopagus. Oh, I got my consonants. The main area where everybody gathered up, so you know here they are, and they have all these ideas laid out, and he says, oh, we want you to come here because we want to know what you 're talking about this is something different, this is something new to us, and they wanted to hear it in other words, what Paul was preaching about Christ was different enough and new enough and and unique enough that they said that 's something we need to listen to and when we think about about us in our in the world and, and what we what we speak, there is something there that we need to keep in mind that as Paul, as all these other Christians that face persecution, that we are a people that have something to say. We don't just have to go around saying stuff just because we feel like we have to be saying something. We have something to say. And that, that one thing we have to say is what? What Paul said, Christ and him crucified. Paul sums it up himself, but this is our message, our one clear message above everything else, no matter what's going on around us, The one thing we want to talk about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about this. He says, beginning verse 21, Since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Skip a couple of verses. He says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. You hear what Paul, Paul says, this is what I want to talk about. No matter who I'm talking to, Jews, Greeks, no matter where I am, I want to talk about Christ and him crucified. Stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and wisdom of God. Down further in, in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He, he sums it up in that one little box. He says, this is what we talk about. This is what matters most in everything that we have going on. It's this one message that, that Jesus is the Christ, that he came to this world, and that that, that he died on that cross. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. Sums it all up. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, that's what Paul says. He says, let me remind you of the gospel that I preached, that you received and upon which you've taken your stand. And he says it this way. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Then he appeared to Cephas, appeared to the 12, then he appeared to 500. And Paul finally gets to himself and says, you know, here I am, just kind of one out, out, of, out of line, but I got to see him as well. That they knew and saw that he was living. And he says, the gospel is summed up in this one statement, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. This is who he, what happened and this is what is most important for us to be able to share that. So now the thing about that is, if this is something we have to say, that we have something that we have to say, if this is something of substance, do we feel that depth of that message? Maybe the weight of that message, of those words. What do we feel within our hearts really matters most as we go to talk to those around us and in this world. There is a, a challenge because when you look at what, what does the world need to hear? What, what does the world need? Everybody around us, what do they really need? We have ideas that are out there of what the, really, the world really needs. And, and there in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, he lays it out because he says, you know what the Gentiles are looking for? Wisdom. You know what the Jews are looking for? Signs. You know, they've got their idea of what's expected, what ought to be. And they said this is, this is what they want to hear. For them, for it to be meaningful, that's their idea of what ought to be. And, and if we're not careful, we, we end up in that same kind of idea that what is it the world needs to hear. And, and now when you think about all of this, where he talks about the wisdom that the Gentiles are looking for and the signs that the, the, the Jews are looking for, it just sums up into a couple things right there because when you look out over the world what they when you start asking people what is it the world needs what kind of answers would we get back what what would sound reasonable and right to everybody in this world about what this world needs and you get, you get all kinds of answers but they'd sound reasonable oh you know what we need we need good people in government that's what the world needs we need to get the right leaders in place or you know what we need <laughs> we, well, we can push all kinds of buttons, can't we? You know what we need is we need parents to raise their children right. You know what we need? We need people who will just choose and live and do what is right. And, and those are all good. And th- we talk about all those kind of things. But ultimately what they are is just man's idea of what ought to be the wisdom of this world. About what ought to be best for us. That we ought to live and let live. That we ought to name every philosophy that can be thrown out there. But there's, what they're saying is, this is what seems right to us. And the Jews, when they talk about signs, when you boil that down to, you know what a sign is all about. Is they're trying to get say, we're looking for the right kind of things that will show us this really is from God. Now, somebody dying and being buried and raised from the dead wasn't it. They were looking for something that fit their box of what really came from God. And so they'll, they'll have all that together and say, you know what, really, if we want to talk about something of substance, it has to be something that shows us this really is from God. When, and for the, for the Jewish folks, especially during that time, and a lot of folks before and after, it was the idea of men's ideas, the tradition that they had in mind of what really came from God. Well, that can't come from God because it's this. this. For it to be from God has to be this. And we'll get a list of things together saying this is what it's all about. But ultimately, it's, these expectations fall short of what really needs to be. Because it's not just a matter of, of meeting the expectations. It's not that. But this is the message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that's needed. That's needed by everybody. It's not just an option. It's something that is needed. And that's why it has, has a weight to it that that gives us, compels us to want to tell people about Christ and him crucified. And uh, the last section of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he, he mentions this, and I think this illustrates for all of us what, what we find there because of the death of Christ, because of Christ and him crucified. It says, think about what you were called. What was your life before without Christ? What kind of people would any of us have been without Jesus. Some of us may have stories that go back and we talk about a pretty good mess of how we made a mess. And then we found out about God and it, it changed us. Some of us may have grown up within church and, and then realized, realized honestly about what was going on within our own lives and hearts. And that we needed Christ. And he says, Not, you weren't wise by human standards. You weren't influential. Not many were noble of birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. He gives us a picture. Because of Christ and him crucified, when we really have figured out where we were without him and where we are now because of him it changes dramatically what we think about that message we're not just we're not talking about church in the sense of we need you to come be with us on sunday we're talking about becoming god's people through jesus christ because he died on that cross he was buried and he was raised and the difference that that message made in us and how we live our lives. And what we've seen about ourselves. And the truth that's revealed about us in our hearts. And what God has done for us. And how he's, he's dramatically changed us through Jesus Christ. That's, that's the message that we've needed all along. We've been changed. We've been redeemed because of Christ. There, there is something that can be a challenge for us. Sometimes we, we, we know we should be saying something. So we feel like we've got, we've, got to go, we've got to say something, the second part of Plato's saying. We've got to say something. And because we feel like we've got to say something, then that gets us in a, in a problem. Because when we, when we feel like we have to say something, we'll really struggle. And here Paul, in chapter 2, he, he lays it out. He says, look, I didn't, I didn't come here. I wasn't eloquent. I didn't have great wisdom when I talked about God. I, and the only thing I wanted to, know, to was to proclaim Christ in him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You hear what Paul said? I, I couldn't say it right. Couldn't come up with the right words. I didn't have all kinds of the right kind of philosophies. I was scared to death are y'all how many of y'all are afraid of public speaking if we all gathered up here and say okay you come up here and stand in front of everybody just standing up here in front of everybody how many of us would be scared to death of just doing that just the thought of it is making some of y'all nervous he's not going to call me up is he no no I won't but do you think do you think about how we we take that fear we take what we we see as uh, i've got I've got to I've got to go door to door talking to people I don't know. I've got to stand up on, in the Walmart parking lot on a box and yell these things. I can't do that. Well, I, we feel like when we have, to, we feel like well, when we feel like we have to say something. What we end up doing is is thinking, oh, I've got to have all the right answers. I've got to say it right. I've got to do it all just right. And we see and focus on ourselves about I can't do that. I can't do it all right. I can't say it all right. I, I, maybe we need to find somebody else to do this who's better with words, who can say it and say it really well. There's our key. And we, we, we forget that this is something that everybody in Acts chapter 8, when everybody left, everybody talked about Christ. So it's not a matter of putting ourselves up in front of everybody to say, this is what you need to hear. It, it's something that's a bit different in our lives and how we approach it, because this message isn't about us. It's about God. The message isn't us at all. It's not intended for us. We're not the ones on trial to be able to say something just right or be able to tell, give everybody every answer or, or any aspect of that. Even being nervous, it just shows that we're normal people. But what we want them to walk away with is this. They may not remember our names. They may not remember us at all. But if they walk away knowing God and putting their trust in him, that's what matters. That's what the message is all about. That they they will put their faith in God through Christ. See, that, that message that we have, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is one that points people to God and says, look, he's the one that can take care of what you need. He's the one that can forgive your sins. He's the one that can give you life. He's the one that can, can make a difference in who you are because of who Christ is. Look to him, not me. I have two of my children, and it's good they're not here because I didn't get permission to tell you all this story, so don't you tell them I told this story. Well, two out of three. So that means y'all don't know which two. (coughs) In elementary school, we lived across the street when, no, that sounded like I was in elementary school with my children. I guess we were young when we got married, but we weren't that young. When my kids were in elementary school, one year we went, all three of them were in the same school. And so we lived across the street, my office was on the other corner, life was good. We take them, the kids come home from school and we talk about everything that went on and we say, Well, what did you do today? And one of them would say, Well, I played with my friends. I said, Well, who are your friends? Didn't know their names, couldn't list a one, but they were still friends. It's a good thing this person had a sibling who knew everyone in their class and everyone. In the other classes, multiple grades. Y'all probably forgot who they might be just by that. But do you, do you hear the difference? He 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 wasn't worried. Let's see, I've already given you our Lord of the Oz. Everybody. He wasn't worried about knowing. He didn't have to know all the names. They were friends. Of course, that, that leaves Natalie as the one that could know everybody's name. The thing about... This message is is when we tell somebody about the Christ and Him crucified. When we talk about the, dead, the death, this my resurrection, our goal isn't for them to remember us at all. Where they might even somebody might ask, "Well, how did you hear about that?" So, well, there's some some guy, some lady, you know, a neighbor? I, I can't remember what their name was, but boy, I tell you what, this this is what I needed to hear. We want them walking away remembering. Christ and Him crucified. Because that, at the core, is what we're all about. The One message that we have is that Jesus came to this world and lived among us in the flesh, taught, healed. But ultimately, his life headed toward that cross where he he died, where we, humanity, put him to death. And when he had died, they took his body and buried it in that tomb. All of his disciples were convinced that was the end. There was no hope. But on that third day, That tomb was empty. He had overcome death. And he showed himself. Showed his scars. Talked to his disciples. Ate with them. And when he had ascended back to heaven. This is the message. Was one day he's coming back. But in his death his burial and resurrection, we find hope. Because if he overcame death, and he did, we don't have to fear it. He's already overcome it for us. Because of what he's done, we don't have to be afraid of standing before God because He's take, through him we find our, our sins gone. Because of what he's done, we can live every day with hope and with joy. Because we know this world is just temporary. We, we know we've messed up. And I don't want that anymore. When you learn what's true, you just want to make sure that... I want, I want everybody to know what's true. Isn't it interesting how God, that when we turn to Christ, we do it in a way that reflects that death, burial, and resurrection? We walk up into that baptist tree, sinful, unworthy. We're declaring, we're putting that old life to death. We get to bury it right there. And when we come back up, we're raised up as brand new people. And looking forward to that one day that we'll be with him. Maybe this evening you need to do that. To die with Christ. To be buried with him and be raised with him to a brand new life. Maybe as a child of God, you've gotten distracted by everything else in this world and forgotten what matters most. And we're here to help each other, to encourage each other, to remind each other what matters. If you need prayers, if you need encouragement, would you come down as we stand and sing?
1: Savior, so precious Thou art. For. in foe now contrite still nearer while life shall We weren't able to partake the Lord's Supper this morning, it's been prepared in our fellowship hall. If you'll pass that way while well, we'll close with number 23. Our God, He is alive. Two, three. There is beyond the azure blue A God concealed from human sight he tinted his skies with heavenly hue And framed the world with his great might There is a God, he is alive In him we live and we survive Some dust our God created man He is our God The Great I Am There was a long, long time ago A God whose voice the prophets heard He is the God that we should know Who speaks from His inspired word There is a God, He is alive Survive. From dust our God created man, he is our God, the great I am. Secure is life from mortal mind. God holds the germ within his hand. Though men may search, they cannot find. For God alone does understand. There is a God. He is alive. In him we live. And we survive. From dust our God. Created man. He is our God. The great Our God, whose Son upon a tree, A life was willing there to give, That He from sin might set man free, And evermore with Him could live. There is a God, He is alive, In Him we live and we survive. From dust, our God created man, he is our God, the great.